0: morning, sports fans. This is Dr. Jim Delfino. Thank you for joining the Lansdowne Bound podcast for our weekly review, where we will discuss everything Red Sox. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Brash Balls himself, Anthony on the Cape. On today's episode, Anthony and I are going to be discussing the following. Number one, James Paxton. So after 500 days as a member of the Red Sox, Paxton made his anticipated debut. We'll talk about reactions and takes regarding his return to the mound. We also want to talk about Canley Jansen. Uh, Here's a guy that went from the top of the mountain on Wednesday night, and he's a pumpkin this morning on Sunday. Jansen's ERA went up from .77. It's now a four twenty six. Kike Hernandez committing error number nine in his errant throw on a double play that could have salvaged the game for the Red Sox yesterday. Pablo Reyes is the newest member of the Red Sox. What that means and more going forward. And then finally, we'll probably finish off with the rest of the schedule for May. What we expect, including guys coming off injury list shortly. Anthony, how are you?
1: I'm good, Jim. Uh, you know it was a uh, eventful week. Um, you know what a difference a week makes. You know last week we were we were flying high, um, winning eight straight, and um, going looking for a sweep against Philly. And now we're uh, we're one and four in our last five games, hoping to salvage. Uh, and avoid being swept, uh, once again at home, uh, by another NL central team, um, which is, is pretty, uh, disappointing. And, uh, I look forward to to getting into some of these, uh, these great topics, but, uh, yeah, I'm, um, uh, a little concerned compared to last week.
0: So let's start off with some positive notes. Number one, um, uh, James Paxton, right? Um, what, uh, what's your thoughts there? I mean, I, you have to feel pretty good after his, his, you know, return to the mound and his first start for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I watched a couple of his games, not necessarily entirely, um, but I watched, I caught some of some of his starts in Worcester. And I told you, I said, wow, you know, the stuff looks pretty good. Like he's throwing mid to high 90s got that 96 97 fastball I don't see a ton of movement on it but um you know with good command pretty you know it, with good command he should be fine he had a you know I saw him let up a home run he got hit around a little bit in Worcester um but I'm just saying I saw the stuff he's always had a great curveball mixing a little change up so what I saw the other night he it was funny because on the broadcast um I think Lou was talking about you know just how don't Don't throw Arenado. You know, Arenado's been in a huge slump because they've been throwing in nothing but breaking balls. And what do they do? They come out and throw him nothing but fastballs and he hammers you, you know, the first two at bats. So, really, other than just the the at bats against Arenado, who's obviously one of the best players in Major League Baseball, he looked really good. He looked really good for a guy that hasn't started and and pitched in Major League Baseball in that long. I thought he looked really good. Um, I guess you could say it's been worth the wait. This could be another one of those hits for Heim Bloom, because let's face it, this guy's a good pitcher. It's always been a matter of can he stay healthy and can he stay on the mound? So we need all the help we can get in that rotation right now. And I also don't mind the idea of having, you know, a second lefty in there, just, you know, just for balance, just for a different look. Um, You know, it's it's nice to have, uh, you know, a couple of good left-handers. Uh, In the rotation, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited about Paxton. I I mean, you know, nine Ks,
0: and really, like I said, just got hit around by Arenado. So I I watched. look good. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I watched the Paxton start really critically. One of the things that I noticed, I don't know if you caught it, he did get a lot of calls going his way. Um, Some of his, you know, outside fastballs could have went for balls versus strikes. So I know that's going to play a little bit in the amount of strikeouts that he had. um, But I think he had his fastball command um, and he looked good. I mean, obviously it's a work in progress, but and it is a last place St. Louis team, even though they're taking two out of three at the time of this uh, at the time of this podcast. But moving forward, I think uh, I think we might have something here. Yeah, no, no. I mean
1: it's 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 for like I said, for the first time pitching in that long, uh, you know, first start for the Red Sox, it was pretty good. It was encouraging. And I think like we said, the stuff. It's really I look at stuff and I know we got some 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 kind of generous calls there. It's it's kinda of like Tom Glavin. I want him to expand on that. I mean, I you know, I know he's not a soft tosser as much, but I love a I love the idea of a guy working that outside corner, working that low in a way. And and you know just working it, working it, working it, and getting a little leeway from the ump. You know what I mean? I like that that style of pitching, and I think uh, Paxton has that kind of command. He has that kind of fastball command where he could maybe even you talk about like a John Lester at times um, as well. Just working that outside, expanding it a little bit. And then being able to bust you inside, hitting you with that big curve. So, it, it, listen, it's it's an encouraging. That was probably the one of the, you know the, probably the most encouraging story we've been waiting for it. We've been wondering, we've been anticipating it, and uh, we finally got to see him, and 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 it was very encouraging. It looked good, good start.
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that I liked about it. I mean, number one, all right, he gave up the two run home run to Arenado, who's one of the best third basemen in baseball. So, if you're gonna give up runs, you're gonna give up a home run you when you're around the plate a lot you're going to you're going to get hit for home runs like that but what i liked about the start um 58 strikes out of 70 out of 87 pitches so he went close to 90 pitches which is a good sample size only one walk anthony which i think is really important here you know he wasn't putting runners on um granted i understand it's st louis but you know it was it was definitely encouraging and you know after sales start yesterday which we'll get to a little bit as we go along today um, like you said earlier, having two left-handed, uh, starters in the rotation that can hit, you know, 96, 97 on the gun, uh, it should bode well for the rest of the season.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, especially with, with what's going on with Nick Pavetta, um, who, who's, who's looks like he's potentially on his way out, whether it be to the bullpen or by trade, um, You know, I think James Paxson, if you're just looking at it like, hey, you know, we know Sale's going to be there. We know Bayo's going to be there. We'll see about Whitlock. I'm just saying there's some question marks in the rotation just based on one start. I know it's only one start, but just based on one start, I mean, to me, if this guy's healthy, you know, he's in my rotation and he's always been a starter. He's got experience. He's had great seasons um, and he's worked hard to get back and he came back um, on on the four year player option you know we, we we got him for you know like sort of a 10 million dollar you know six million last year and then opted out of the contract and he he opted into the one year four million I, I I liked it at the time because I thought he's kind of honoring his commitment you know he, he's he's saying you know what I'll, I'll pitch this year and show you what I can do for the four million so it's 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 working out pretty nicely and it, and it gives me definitely a lot of hope moving forward with you know like i said you know having that sec- second lefty and just a good experienced starter that's not as i just feel like Nick Pavetta we've seen enough of him you know what i mean whereas James Paxton still gives me a little bit of hope that he could find something and give us even if it is 10 starts i don't know what to expect i know Tony Maserati said you know you know be happy if he gives you five starts this year i don't know 5 10 starts we could use it we could use some pitching at least until maybe at the deadline, and we, you know, where we can acquire some more. But I think this is a big, big um, thing for the Red Sox with James Paxson.
0: Well, I mean, Paxson definitely offers us bigger upside than Nick Pavetta will. But I know I didn't even mention it on our op- on my opening, uh, you know, discussion of what we're going to cover today. But you brought up the Nick Pavetta thing, and uh, you know, I don't know how you feel. I was a little bit disappointed in the comments that he made. I mean, you could really go with two schools of thought on that, right? Number one was you know what are you thinking, Nick? You know you haven't been an effective pitcher this season. you've got an e r a that's right around your career mark, if not higher, but the other part of it is is that he's a gamer too, and it's like no, you know i'm I'm here to start, and that's that's the job I have, so you can kind of take it both ways what what's your what's your take on Nick Pavetta?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you uh I did not like the comments. Um, I kind of agreed with what Tony Maz was saying the other day. I heard on the baseball hour. um, You know the situation. Everybody knows the situation. They asked Tanner, you know, he played a clip. You know, he played the Nick Pavetta clip. And then, you know, I think it was uh, Chris Cotillo that asked him the question. And uh, and then he also played a, a Tanner Houck clip from the spring. And the way Tanner Houck, you know, answered it was completely different. You know, so it's like Nick Pavetta has a sense of entitlement to him where he's, again, it's a little bit of that last year type of mentality. We're, we're putting ourselves first ahead of the team. And I don't like that ever. Listen, if you're not aware of the situation, and if you don't realize your own self-awareness of, first of all, what has Nick Pavetta ever done in this league? Next to nothing. Like you said, he's, he's, he's mediocre at best. He's a, he's a 500 pitcher with a 450 ERA at best. Then this year, it's worse. He's now got one of the worst, he's one of the worst stats on the team in terms of starters last night. I think he was like almost like 6.29, if I remember correctly. His yeah. whip is high. Um, he's given you again, we've seen we see that with Nick Pavetta, where we get one or two good starts against bad competition. And then he gets his lips ripped off against the good competition. And we haven't even seen the Yankees. We've only he did have a pretty good start against the Blue Jays, but you start to get into some of these more you know, a, a better offenses that we might see this summer. And I'm telling you right now, I, I have very little confidence in Nick Pavetta being able to be consistent. And then when he gives you that kind of answer, which to me is a very defensive answer, right? It's very defensive. Um, he's not being straight up and uh, I didn't like the answer. So I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt of being some kind of gamer on that one. I think he was just out of touch. And I don't like that on my baseball team. That sense of entitlement, where you know, of course, everybody wants to be a starter, but it's not up to you, dude. You know, are you going to go to the bullpen and pout, or and be a problem, or are we going to have to trade you?
0: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. The other thing about you know, Nick Pavetta, and I know we discussed this in the off season. You know, there was a lot of question marks as we still have on the starting rotation. But one of the things that we brought up over and over and over again was where are you going to get innings? You know, who's going to provide the innings if we have a bunch of four and five inning starters on this staff. And we always came back to Nick Pavetta and we said, well, here's a guy that's going to give you 160 innings. Um, He's going to give us better than five innings per start. So I wrote an article last week on Nick Pavetta on landsdownbound.com. And I, and I basically said, he's averaging less than four, uh, excuse me, five innings per start. So if you stink that bad, that you've got to be taken out, what good is the fact that you have the ability to go longer if you're putting the Red Sox in such a hole that they can't compete for that game? So it really doesn't matter um, You know how, how many innings he could give you. Um, the reality is if they're bad innings, what's the point of even being there?
1: 100%. No, it's a great point. And the thing is, everybody talks about um, quality starts. And that's six innings, three runs, which equates to a 450 ERA, which we know he's well over that this year, but sort of in his career. And you say, OK, but guess what? If, if, if he doesn't go six innings, that that math doesn't add up. Right. So if he only goes four and change or even five innings over the course of time, we're looking at that's not good enough. The only the only reason a quality start is good enough is because of the six innings. You give me six innings, three runs. I'm in the game. Fine. Uh, you know, if you're not giving me the innings and still getting hit around and being very mediocre, that's not that that's not that much value add. And when you look at innings, Tanner Houck is leading the way, as as far as I I, I know, in terms of innings pitched. And he could have gone more. Tanner Houck looks strong to me. So it's like I look at Tanner Houck leading us in innings pitched. I think it's yeah, close to 30. I don't have it right in front of me, but he's been our number one guy in terms of giving us innings. And I think he could have actually, we could have gotten more out of Tanner Houck. Where I don't look at Nick Pavetta, I feel like Nick Pavetta was is lucky to even be where he's at because he had one start. I don't even remember who it was against, but he had the bases loaded in the first inning. He had the bases loaded in the second inning. I mean, he's barely hanging in there, and and he, and he hasn't been that good. So so yeah, I mean, I'm with you. They're not quality innings. He's got a bad attitude. He doesn't seem like he's a good fit. Again, Tony made a good point about him having one year of arbitration, which we've talked about a lot, one year of arbitration left. Well, you put him – we're not going to – the Red Sox aren't going to pay this guy $10 million. I mean, what is he worth? So it's like, are you even going to tender him for that last year of arbitration, or why not not trade him now while he's still a starting pitcher? So Everybody needs starting pitching. There's got to be a team out there that could use a solid starting pitcher. OK, and and maybe it's just not the place for him in Boston. So maybe we could trade him, get some bullpen help and and just wash our hands of the situation. You know, and and listen, the whole thing about winning trades, the whole Seabold, Pavetta, listen, you know, who cares? OK, I mean, at this point, let's move on. We can't ever let a, a previous trade stop us from moving forward. Right. If Jeter Down sucks, if Connor Seabold sucks, you move on. Don't waste our time. You're not going to bat a 1,000 on all these trades and all these moves. Sometimes you just got to take the L or say, hey, Nick Pavetta gave us some innings the last couple of years. Fine, no problem. The trade was the trade. Let's not hang on to Nick Pavetta to try to save face on some kind of trade. I don't like that at all. So let's just – I'm ready to move on. I think most people are from Nick Pavetta um, unless he wants to go to the bullpen and actually give us something there.
0: Well, I think the other part of it is, is you know, when Nick Pavetta was traded to the Boston Red Sox, and I've brought this up on Twitter before, that Connor Seabold was really the centerpiece of that trade, and and I know Chris Henry kind of said, you know, no, he wasn't, he wasn't a throw-in, but you know, t- even Tyler Milliken has has uh, said the same thing that he, you know, Pavetta was more of a throw-in. I think here's the reality: the Red Sox needed to find innings back at the time that that trade was made, and you know what, you, change of scenery. He kind of lost his way in Philadelphia. So I think at that time, it was a way for the Red Sox to say, let's go ahead and make this trade. We can instantly put Pavetta into the rotation. He can get us some innings, and we can figure it all out later. Well, we're in a different time and place now. We're two years removed from that period, and we've got better starters. We've got younger kids, and we've got guys that are going to replace him. So I just don't see Nick Pavetta as part of the future, and to your point, You know, trading him now, I think is a great opportunity because in the offseason, a lot of teams probably were not sure, you know, injury history, what their teams were going to look like, if they were going to contend or not. Look at the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't think many people thought they were going to be a contending team. They might be a team that might be interested in a Nick Pavetta right now um, because they're they're in it. So that's a possibility. And I'm sure that you know, um, Ben Sherrington's got some prospects down there that we could pluck from. So I think that might be an interesting uh, way to look at uh, Nick Pavetta. Um, and I want to kind of remember that because it just uh, just came to my head. And, you know, maybe that might be a possibility there. Um, I do want to change uh, topics a little bit over to Kenley Jensen. Um, Two-year um to be the closer for this team. He has been absolutely amazing the first you know seven or eight you know appearances that he had he got his 400th career save uh this this last week um there was a lot of uh partying about it and congratulatory measures uh and then the two uh appearances since then have been really disappointing um that's kind of kenley's mo he's done that in atlanta he's done that in dot, You know, with the Dodgers, um, I don't think it's something to look and say that this is over. Uh, I think it's a blip, but uh, you can't feel too happy about those two, especially against a last place team like the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of like Murphy's Law, um, sort of, you know, everything's great. We're so, oh yeah, we got, you know, and and listen, there's only, he's only the seventh player in major league history. We talked about it last week, um, sort of, you know, he was, he was going to be hitting that 400 save point, um, coming up and it's a big accomplishment. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's only seven guys, only the seventh guy in the history of baseball to do it. Um, of course, you know, saves and closers have become, you know, more of a thing over the last, you know, 40, 50 years. But still, it's still an impressive, impressive number, and he's been a great closer, and he's and he and he's had postseason success as well. But you know, to to have that celebration and really, you know, you know the whole locker room thing with the video and everybody, and it was such a thing, and he was so emotional. And then his next two outings, he blows, you know, he blows a couple of saves, and, and he blew another save um, not too far long ago. So now, now we're up to three all of a sudden, three blown saves. So. Um and then and then last last night was was the most alarming with the pitch clock violations. So um he needs to get a couple of days off for sure. Obviously he's not pitching today. I mean, I would give him a couple of days off to get get straight. You know, he could be dealing with a little you know, a little bit of a an injury, um, back oblique. We're not sure. Uh the Red Sox are very uh they're not necessarily transparent about all that stuff. We kinda gotta play the guessing game and, and we see things, but um yeah, I mean, I would say monitor this guy very closely. Do not overuse this guy and, and give him two or three days off just to kind of get him back um, in the right headspace and kind of forget about hopefully we can get a win today and sort of get back on track a little bit um, and just give him a couple of days off to get him him right. And then hopefully we'll just kind of forget about all this. And like you said, it was just a blip on the radar.
0: Well, part of that, you know, uh, blown save yesterday came at the hands of Kiki Hernandez, who, again, on a throwing error, his ninth error on the season, on an errant throw, and it could have been, you know, obviously it was a game changer for the Red Sox. Um, I we're, well, we're well, one we... thing about. Oh no! Go sorry, go ahead.
1: No, go, no, go ahead. No, go I ahead. was just gonna say. I mean, the game was the the save was already blown at that point. No, so that that was the the go ahead run. So in other words. There was no way in heck they were getting that double play. It wasn't a, it wasn't hit hard enough. So Valdez did a pre, actually you know Valdez did a pretty good job of getting rid of it quickly and getting it over to Kike. Kike is now playing Jay Cutler in the pocket where he's throwing off his back feet. He's almost falling backwards trying to make a throw on a double play ball. I'm sorry that you can't do it like that. It was a lazy attempt. Um, he yeah. should have held on to that ball. There was no way they were going to turn the double play. So that's where the go ahead run came in. It was already going to be a, a, a you know a tie game, but at least we were going to still have a chance to get out of the inning tied and, and and go to, you know, try to win the game or you know go to go to go to an extra frame, but another lazy throwing error from Kike Hernandez, yeah, that 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 cost us the game. But uh, regardless, it was still an alarming outing from from Jantin. I don't want to put it all on Kike.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm still, you know, in a in a vacuum looking at the fact that it's been nine throwing errors. You know, obviously, I don't know how you fix this over the next 3 or 4 weeks um before, you know, any kind of recruitment could come in like, you know, Amanda C or anybody of the like. Um I mean, I know Arroyo is still on the shelf right now and that's probably why they brought in this Pablo Reyes guy. But I mean, um We've got this kind of, uh, you know, revolving door of middle infielders. Um, obviously, guys like Valdez coming up from the minors, and now Pablo Reyes. So, I don't know. I mean, is this just kind of like, uh, you know, a Russian roulette with middle infielders, or what do we do here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it was one of the biggest concerns in the offseason, season, um, along with center field. Well, center field, obviously, we know what, what happened there. I mean, Duvall was 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 pretty good, really good, um, and then Duran. Um, has been great, but shortstop was really the other concern and yeah, it's, it's been our Achilles heel because the nine throwing errors leads major league baseball. And it's like I said, it's, 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 it keeps happening. I'm not seeing, you know, I'm just seeing somebody who really shouldn't be playing shortstop every day. And this kid Reyes, listen, I don't know too much about him. I don't have this page up in front of me. I don't know if he's played shortstop in the past. Um, you know, obviously, you got a couple of, you know, he he, he looks, you know, was a good, pretty good, you know, for him. um And, uh, but uh, no, I mean, shortstop, you can't do it. Now, Modesty's still a couple of weeks away at minimum, at best. So we could be looking at, you know, when he's available at the end of May, still maybe needs a little bit of rehab. I don't know exactly what the timetable is on him. Uh, I mean, you know, so we could still be looking at two, three weeks. Arroyo, yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, you put Arroyo at short. He's probably not going to be making all these throwing errors, but at the same time, he's not the the greatest defensive shortstop either. And again, this is a guy who's proven he can't play every day. So there's always the injured concern there. So you don't want to put too much on his plate. I don't know what the answer is at short, Jim, in, in, until we get a guy like Monsey back. I really don't. It's very concerning. Um, they're dropping like flies out there, and uh, it's just – it's very troubling. Uh, that's a very, it's the most important position on the field outside of – pitcher and you know it's right there with catcher you know what i mean
0: so he does have some uh experience at shortstop not of course this season um because it's a short season and uh he hasn't had the opportunity but in 2022 um it looked like in uh 15 at bats um he was a shortstop uh in 10 of them i'm not sure how many games that account uh, uh, was actually, but he did play both second. Uh, he played short and third base for, the, um, you know, last season. In 21, uh, it looks like he played quite a bit of different positions. He played second, third, short, left, and he was a pinch hitter a number of bats. So he's pretty much all over the place.
1: Right. So he, he's a little bit more of a utility type, almost like an Eduardo Nunez maybe type where, sure, he can probably fill in a game or two a short, maybe not be the best, but he can fill in. He's had some experience, but, you know, I, I just, that's not the position, you know, we're going from having Xander Bogarts and listen, I, I've, I've been, you know, um, sort of outspoken about Bogarts and his lack of leadership and, and, you know, just not wanting to pay him that big contract and whatnot. But, uh, at the same time, you can't deny the guy was a pretty solid shortstop for a very long time. He was very consistent, and he and he was on the field. So going from that to what we have now at the position is very alarming. And with Trevor Story, we're getting some good news about him hitting and throwing. We still don't know if the Red Sox plan on using Trevor Story as shortstop. So we don't know the plan there. We don't know if that's realistic for this season. Maybe it is moving forward for a year before we get to Meyer. but the guy I really want to see back as soon as possible is, is Alberto Mondesi, because I think he's, he's a great athlete. I think he's a, he's a really good shortstop. I think he's going to bring a lot of athleticism and excitement to the lineup. We're going to be able to get Kiki Hernandez out of there because it's just too much Kiki Hernandez. It's just, you know, it's like this guy's in the lineup every single day. He's, he's always, obviously he's the only really the only option we have a shortstop, and we're constantly seeing him batting, you know, anywhere fifth, sixth, seventh. It's like I could just use a little – I could just use some help at that position. You know what I mean? I could just really use some help at shortstop as soon as possible. And, and hopefully, long-term, Trevor Story can play there, uh, maybe even this year. I mean, because, we, you know, Kiki Hernandez is just – to me, he's a utility player.
0: Well, I, I'm I'm total agreement that he's a utility player and needs to get back to that. You know, I mean, obviously – You know, when he was signed here, um, there was a lot of unknown as to who was going to be playing what positions. And then we found out that he was going to be a center fielder. And while he did very well out there, you know, the reality is, is that throughout his career, he's been a backup infielder. And so um, he's not an everyday player. You know, he never was. He's been he's been created into an everyday player here. And I think we're seeing in some aspects that he just can't do it, um, you know, at least in the the infield. You know, obviously the outfield, there's less, you know, on a day-to-day basis, there's less action. Um, And he even said it in a mic'd up situation that he loved being on the infield because it was more action. But I mean, we just, you know, it's one thing to make errors if you can't, you know, catch a ball or, you know you've got to, you've got to pivot to one side and you o lay a ball and it gets in the outfield or whatnot. It's the throws. And I think it's just a matter of him rushing himself and either he doesn't understand the batter and the situation that's coming out of the batter's box and he thinks he's got to rush it. I'm not quite sure what his issue is, but when those errors are made, they're they're not just small ones. they're i mean he's he's he just he's just thrown it into the dugouts. Well, Jim, and I've I've made this point, um, you know,
1: I I believe it's lack of reps is part of it as well. I mean, we look at spring training. We got a a, a guy who's basically been our center fielder. You know, he's played a little second, a little bit of short for us the last couple of years, but he's mainly been a center fielder. So he takes off, goes to play for Puerto Rico in the WBC, and he's playing center field, of course, because that's his best position, and they had better options at shortstop, of course. But all those reps, where you're going to get comfortable these are things that maybe could have been corrected in spring training to say hey you're not getting your feet set you're not you know you're you are leaning back you it's it's a lot of lazy sort of I don't want to say mental mistakes but just lazy mistakes he's not he's not using the proper footwork and the fundamentals to set himself up for these throws and you're just seeing it just the one last night was just a perfect example. It was like he was flat-footed, falling backwards, and just threw it right into the, the ground. And, uh, you know, these, in what you were saying, these aren't like tough plays where he's going backhanded into the hole and jumping up and throwing it and the throw gets away from you or something. These are just routine throws. I mean, that's the thing. these are basically routine throws that you expect your shortstop to, to make. And, and your shortstop is a lot of times the quarterback of the field. He's your leader out there. And, you know, it's just, he needs to make better decisions. So last night you put that ball in your back pocket, you know, there's, there's, there was a play on opening day where, you know, the guy was going to third and he threw that away. It's just like, everything is, 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 is frantic. And, and, and just um, he, he's making everything look harder than it has to be on a lot of these routine plays and these routine throws. So it's, it's very disturbing. Um I didn't, I know you wanted to get to Chris Sale. I didn't mean to get sidetracked on Kike because of the because of the error last night for Kenley Jansen. But, um, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, we we've said this all along about Kike Hernandez. It's it's uh, he's he's not an everyday shortstop. There's no doubt about it. We've seen it now. We, we that decided to me that's 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 finished. You're, you know, I don't want to. You know, nobody's going to convince me otherwise at this point. He's he's out. He's a utility guy.
0: Well, oh, yeah. It it it's just the problem is is we have nothing better to put there. Um, and of course Cora and him have a great relationship, which is uh good and bad at the same time, if you you know, if you catch my drift. Um, so Chris Sale last night, uh yesterday afternoon, arguably one of the best starts he's had since what, twenty nineteen. Um, you know, everybody likes to use the word vintage sale. Okay, I'll 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 drink the Kool-Aid. But um very encouraging the last couple starts, no?
1: Well, absolutely. And and You know, we talked about this. Um, I mentioned, you know, I wanted to see on Twitter just, you know, it's like, okay, you get one good start from Sale. Then the next one, you know, he has a bad outing. I said, you know, before I sort of make a declaration here, I need to see him put three or four good starts together. And now what you're looking at is, I believe, if you look at four of his last five starts, and if you just look at his last five starts, he's been incredible. He had the one- stinker in there where he didn't strike anybody out i can't remember i think that was against baltimore so he's had two tough starts against baltimore but you look at four out of the last five starts i mean this guy last night i mean eight innings you know 110 pitches um he's got his he's got his whole arsenal working um he did have the one solo shot but i mean nine k's three hits a walk i mean you look at his last five starts i mean he's been tremendous so I actually did a little tier list for the Red Sox where um, – a tier maker list where I kind of put, – I put Chris Sale in elite because I've seen enough from Chris Sale to say, you know what, he is back. He looks healthy to me. Um, I think he has great stuff. Last night, eight innings, 110 pitches, that's the most encouraging start of the year. I don't care about stats like, oh, this 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 game, you know, he had these stats, this game, he had these stats. No. Last night is a sign that Chris Sale is healthy. He is the ace of the team. He's the number one starter on the team. It's a shame that we couldn't close that game out for him because he pitched such a great game. And, uh, you know, I think he looks great. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I was very encouraged. Um, it kind of gives you a little bit more vibes of, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018 sales. So, you know, I mean, look, if 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 we're going to get that kind of production out of him and Paxton um, – you know, I mean, and and you're going to win, you know, hopefully. I mean, last night was obviously the outlier because of the blown save. But, you know, if you can get that kind of prediction, you're going to obviously I know it's old stupid uh, small talk, but you're going to, you know, quote, win more of those games than you're going to lose. You know, that's the old saying. So but, you know, if you're going to get that qu- kind of start out of him and you can get something out of Paxton and Bayo, I think we'll be fine. I, I think the biggest challenge he's probably going to have maybe this season And I want to segue that into our upcoming schedule for the week, but he is scheduled to start on Saturday night. Um, It is in San Diego. San Diego is not having as good of a year as I think everybody, including San Diego anticipated, but they are a dangerous, dangerous offensive team. And I think if he can go out and even pitch something similar to that, I'll even take a quality start, six innings, three runs. Uh, But if he can, if he can do that, I think that would be a, that would be a challenge. And that would be a game that I'd look at and say, well, he can, he can match with anybody at this point. You know, it doesn't have to be bad competition. It doesn't have to be a lucky outing. It doesn't have to be where, you know, he was better than other, other starts that, that will be a barometer for me to say, Oh, he can go against anybody at this point.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be a tough challenge. They have some good hitters over there and, uh, you know, I was just looking at the stats, so just to uh, kind of illustrate what I was talking about, if you look at four of his last five outings, so you remove the Baltimore start where he gave up five uh, runs in five innings and didn't have any strikeouts, so the other four out of five, you're looking at a 2.05 ERA, Okay, wow. six runs in, in 26 and a third innings, um, you're looking at 35 strikeouts to only uh, four walks. I mean that's that's a that's like a 9 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio, um, only one home run that he allowed last night and just getting 8 innings, 110 pitches, that's just to me a sign that this guy's healthy. That's the number one thing we talked about all year. Can can what can we expect out of Chris Sale? Can we get 25 starts? Can we get 30 starts? Listen, if this guy, I've said it all along. If Chris Sale's going to pitch like this, you know, and listen, you're going to have a bad start here and there. So we'll just take the last five. You know, you give me give me four really good starts out of five all year long, and you're healthy all year long with good stuff. This team's making the playoffs. I'm sorry. I mean, there's there's no way when Chris Sale is healthy and pitching like this that we're not. I'm sorry. It's just it's just um, the team's too good around him. But uh, you know, that's now the question is is can he stay healthy all year? And and I, and I don't think it's a, a question of stuff. Um, I and, and you know he always says you know he's 34 but his arm's 31. His arm looks great. His stuff looks great. Um, all signs pointing up, and uh, I think it's, it's it's one of the more exciting developments of the of the team so far this year in the first quarter of the season um, is Chris Sale.
0: So as far as the upcoming schedule and, and 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 our outlook for the next week, um, you know one of the things that I always have mentioned many many times. Um, is the the idea for a team uh, to find a way to get 15 wins a month, and 15 wins a month times six months is 90 wins should get you in the playoffs. I uh, I was on a little bit of a space last night, a quick one. Paulie was on there, we kind of discussed that as well. And his thing is is that if you can get 30 wins out of 50, uh, so it's the same kind of rule, just you know, getting there a different way of describing it. So let's not talk about the fact that the Red Sox had an eight-game winning streak, but just in May alone, we started out with uh, six in a row in May that we were winning, Um, and now we've lost, you know, four out of the last five, and obviously we discussed it earlier today how terrible it was to lose these two to St. Louis. I mean, without question, they should have won two out of three, uh, not lose two out of three, and, you know, obviously remains to be seen what happens tonight. But uh, for the upcoming, you know, week and the rest of the month, um, that puts us at seven wins so far for the month. And here we are halfway through. Um, we've got one tonight with St. Louis. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we get that one. That would be an eighth win. If we can get two out of three from Seattle, that takes us to 10. If we win one against C- San Diego, that's 11. Um, two out of three from L.A., that takes us to 13. And then um, two out of Arizona takes us to fifteen, and then we have Cincinnati. If we get at least one out of those two, that takes us to sixteen. So we still can be there where we need to be. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah, I'm not too worried about about the overall record at this point. Listen, I mean, you're not going to win every game. We said that. Um, you know, on Sunday we 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 were messaging. You know, you're not going to win every game. It's disappointing to lose. You want to win every game, but you're not. You know, it's, it's reality is you know, this is baseball. It's 162 games. You're going to have your hot streaks. You're going to have your, your cold streaks. Um, These two here hurt because if you give me a lead with Kenley Jansen on the mound for a save um, in particularly a two run lead like last night, I mean, I want, I'll take that situation anytime. Right. So, so we were right where we, we want, we had them right where we wanted them. Um, And so it's very disappointing to lose these games. They've been struggling. Uh, I've said it all along, though. St. Louis is one of those teams just don't worry too much about early in the season. They're going to figure it out, and that's not a strong division. So I don't necessarily think their team is a reflection of their record. But you are looking at the outlook, yeah. I mean, you know, we got Pavetta pitching against Seattle this week. Could be his last start. Um, Who knows? Um, But maybe a worst-case scenario is that he pitches great, you know. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want him to pitch well and I don't want to win the game, but it's like, you know, it's like don't be deceived by a good game against Seattle when, you know, we're going to keep him in the rotation and send somebody like How to the bullpen and then regret that decision later on in the season. So to me, I've sort of made my mind up on Pavetta. But yeah, I mean, you know, looking at Seattle, San Diego, L.A., these are some, some winnable games. Arizona, you know, you have a little bit of a soft schedule coming up here. Um, like you pointed out until you get to early June, when you start to have the Rays and the Yankees and and even Cleveland and Minnesota and some of these teams in there. Um, So I think it's very important to get these wins in the books now against, you know, win these games. You should Uh, don't get swept today. We need a big game from Kluber and uh, you know, for the rest of May, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a pretty soft schedule.
0: Yeah, you know, you got to win winnable games, right? You know, you can't let them go uh, lose, lose, uh, you can't lose to those winnable games. And, and the fact that, you know, we don't see the Yankees until June 9th for the first time is alarming. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to even fathom. But June, you know, for the most part, it's going to be a tough month. I mean, we are going to have a, a four gamer against Tampa Bay. We're going to have New York. We're going to have Cleveland, which. You know, they could still be a thorn in your side, but then it's New York, Colorado, the Yankees again, four games against the Twins. Then it gets a little soft with Chicago and Miami, but then we finish off with Toronto. So certainly no easy task. One of the things about getting back to Pavetta and how I'm going to tie this in is, is that Alex Cora has said that he's going to continue with a six-man rotation. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that still is the best option here you know has it helped sale have these better outings I don't know um, Kluber has looked better of late has that had a play in that I don't know same with Bayo uh, the one thing that I will say is is it means that the Red Sox are still not or, or they're torn on what they want to do with how Pavetta because I don't think they want to quote demote either one of those guys um, for the sake of doing so and that's kind of why they're sticking with this six-man rotation yeah, listen, I mean,
1: I'm not – I like a five-man rotation, but that kind of requires you having five pretty good starters, like, setting – you know, a little bit more set in stone, or at least having, you know, four starters set in stone and figuring out the last spot. I mean, you know, we have so many question marks still in this rotation, and, and they don't even know what to do, obviously, because, you know, you, you can't bank on somebody like a James Paxton who hasn't pitched in three years. So now we got him back. He had a pretty good, encouraging first start. Okay, great you know we're going to need to see more of this we're going to need to see uh, we're still not set on what to do with you know on on how if we can 100% rely on Paxton we've got Kluber who who's been inconsistent at best um obviously the Pavetta situation we're still trying to develop Houck and Bayo um so you know that's how important Chris Sale's been but you know the extra rest yeah i mean it's not going to hurt a guy like Chris Sale um we 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 want to you know manage the innings and the workload but um We've also had a couple of off, day, off days. So if you're going with a six-man rotation with two built-in off days, now you're getting a lot of extra rest. So hopefully, what they're doing in some of these side sessions is really working on things um, and putting in some work on the side to, to sort of, you know, stay sharp and refine their command and just work on some things. But um, I think for the time being, it is good to go with a six-man rotation. Like I said, you know, get you know get as much of a sample size out of these guys. Um, As you can before we start making decisions, because the worst thing you could do is, you know, trade a guy like Nick Pavetta and then all of a sudden you suffer an injury, you know, like maybe, you know, something with Paxton or whatever, you know, knock on wood. I obviously don't want that to happen, but, you know, it's like, oh, you never have enough starting pitching. You know, you trade Pavetta. Next thing you know, you're shorthanded in the staff. So it's like, I don't think they want to do something like that. Um, because they don't have a lot coming up in, in, in AAA either. I mean, you know, Mata and Walter still have some some question marks with command and whatnot. So they're unproven. So um, you don't want to, you know, just, you know, make a quick decision with your starters and then end up shorthanded in the long term. Um, so I think a six-man rotation for the time being makes sense just because of all the question marks you have in the rotation, Jim
0: yeah no, I'm not against it. um i I just you know, like I said, the biggest thing is keeping everybody on pace with their you know with their side sessions and not having it interfere in a negative way. I think one of the one of the things you mentioned about you know trading away a starting pitcher, you know we talked about that earlier this morning about Pavetta. The reality is is that we've got guys like Whitlock coming back. Cutter Crawford is gonna make one uh rehab appearance, I think for three innings, and then he'll be activated on the on the West coast trip. Um, so we are getting some of these reinforcements back, um, and it's something that the Red Sox have not had for 2023 is a, a full starting rotation, um, a you know an a, a, a bullpen that has been pretty much clear. And when I say clear, I mean you know exactly who's there and they're going to be there for the short and long term, as well as what I want to call this middle ground. And and I've kind of been a proponent to this for the 2023 season that. If we've got a bunch of you know five inning starters, and I know Sale had a great one yesterday, but that's the outlier right now um, with the staff is that's been the outlier, not the not the the more the exception than the rule. But having a guy like Cutter Crawford, maybe Whitlock, and maybe Winkowski in a second rotation, like a middle rotation, that they could, you know, pair up accordingly with anybody that you know doesn't have a great start they could kind of rotate those three guys for the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings. And that would hopefully maybe take some of the pressure off a Schreiber, a Martin, and even a Jansen if necessary. Yeah, the only
1: problem with that is, so if you if you combine that, if you combine having three sort of long guys, and I know they've used Winkowski in some different roles, but if you have three long guys in the bullpen combined with a six-man rotation, that's nine out of your 13. That only gives you, that gives you a very short, Sort of back end of the bullpen with Jansen, Martin, Schreiber, and and maybe like a Jolie Rodriguez when he gets healthy. Hopefully he's going to be back soon. Um, so you know, basically carrying nine starting pitchers where you have a six man rotation and then three sort of long guys in the bullpen. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we we had Winkowski at his first bad outing of the year um on, on Friday night, uh or I'm, I'm sorry on yeah uh, yesterday, or I'm sorry I don't know which day it was um to be honest with you, but uh.
0: You know, so
1: what was it Friday night on that Winkowski start? Um,
0: that was or, you know when uh, he came out. Uh, that was on the Friday night start, yeah, the Friday night game. Right. Yep. So, so, so when you look at it, we really blew three games. When you really
1: yeah. look, or, or, I'm sorry, you know, we we blew, um, excuse me, we blew the game twice because I, I believe we had a lead. Winkowski gave it up. We got the lead back, and then Jansen gave it up. Right. So. You know, this is this has been the most, uh, you know, this has been the hardest time the bullpen's had sort of all year in that in that regard, where there's a time when we hadn't had a blown save all season. so now we've got a few. And um, I'm just wondering if there's too too much of a tax on the back end of your bullpen when you have essentially nine starters on your staff out of the 13 spots. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions. You make a good point about Whitlock. I don't want to get my hopes up too much with him. Um, because, uh, you know, anytime you have that elbow issue, I need to see it. Um, I need to see if he's healthy and, and, and it's, it's still a big concern with Gary Whitlock. So I get what you're saying. And I like that idea. I think that would work a little bit better if you had a five man rotation. Don't you think?
0: No, listen. So that's part of the reasons why I was you know more adamant for a five man rotation to begin with. But I, I think part of the issue is, is that, Uh, And and you've brought this up before that, you know, there always is an injury bug somewhere and kind of like these starting rotation situations kind of work themselves out because someone's in, someone's out. But if these guys are all coming back, if we're going to be getting cutter and, and Whitlock back and we have a, we have a six man rotation and we have these three guys as long relievers. I mean, there's really no place to put them. Right. I think that's, that really becomes a problem. We talk about having nine potential starters. If you want to talk about those three um, bullpen guys, for long relievers, but you've got these nine pitchers. I mean, we really don't have an we don't have an option, right? I mean, it's outside of Bayo going back down to the minor leagues because he's got team options, um, and and that would be that would be such a drastic disservice. And and that's a topic for another day. But they really don't have the options. There's nothing nothing they can do. Um, and then also, too, you know, to that point, we know that Jolies Rodriguez is coming back. I think he's got he's supposed to join them on the West Coast trip. So what does that do with Blyer and Bernardino? Because we can't carry three left-handed relievers out of that pen.
1: Right. And and not, not to mention even Ryan Brazier. I mean, once you get fully healthy, you only got 13 spots. So if you're taking up nine of those spots with starters, and when I say starters, you know what I mean, like with. Crawford, Winkowski, all these guys who are essentially starting pitchers, whether what role we put them in, we'll see. Um, that only leaves you with four spots left. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you've got to make some tough decisions here. And, and that's where I think a trade comes into play. I mean, it really, so you make a good point when if we can get Whitlock back healthy and we still have Cutter Crawford, if, I, I think we can still stretch him out and use him as a starter if we want um so you know we might have to be looking at an odd man out situation with a guy like nick pavetta because we need more we need more depth in our bullpen um not to mention a lot of these guys you know you're, you're gonna need a mop up guy right you're gonna need lefties so um as far as i'm concerned just to touch on the lefty thing you're not going to carry three lefties and the bottom line is the guy i am done with is is, is richard blyer i mean i am sorry you, you, you keep bringing this guy into situations to get left-handed batters out, key situations in a game. We saw a horrible one last Sunday when he, when he took Tanner Hulk when Cora took Tanner Hulk out of the game to bring in Blyer to face Schwarber, and the guy gets lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, I'm sorry, you can't be coming in there. I don't care if it's a lefty or a righty. His numbers are terrible against lefties. He's not getting the job done. This is another situation. Well, it's it's just real quick. Just another situation that I was talking about earlier, take the L you made a bad move. You know, the whole barn situation with Blyer don't get held up on that. If Blyer sucks and he can't be a a value add to this bullpen, just move on. Don't worry about saving face on that trade because this guy's garbage.
0: Yeah. And and here's the thing too, even if Blyer was pitching a little better and I know some of these guys on Twitter, they're like, Oh, he's going to come around and, and so forth. The reality is, is we don't have the time for him to figure it out because we've got better options that are either coming back from injuries or we can go and pluck other guys out of there. And and the reality is right now, I mean, you look at what Bernardino's doing. This kid's been pretty damn good. And I have no reason to make him be, you know, the guy that gets taken out of this situation because of Richard Blyer. So it's gotta be one of those situations where you say, look, Blyer, you're the worst of the bunch, even though you may be okay later on in the year. We can't wait for that. So you got to be the first guy out. And of course, if it's Jolie's Rodriguez coming back, you can't have these three lefties. So Ryan Brazier's gonna make it again the next cut. They're not gonna get rid of Brazier because they're gonna need a right hander. So I think I think what I would do if I was Bloom or I was, you know, Alex Cora is I would say, all right, let's continue with the six-man rotation right now. Let's have, you know, Winkowski and Cutter Crawford be the long guys. And I would pick specific options for Whitlock where he could be a seventh or an eighth inning guy, maybe go seven and eight, but at least kind of give Schreiber or Martin some uh, opportunities to rest. Or maybe when Canley needs, you know, he's having a struggle like he is right now, Maybe that's when Whitlock is your eighth inning guy and it makes Martin your closer. So I think they have some really good options in there to kind of mix and match because I don't want to see this bullpen, which has been, you know, quite a surprise so far early on. I don't want to see them blown out and taxed.
1: Absolutely. No, it's, 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 it's a great, it's a great point. Um, You know, you can't, you can't, you need depth there. So um, there's a lot of big question marks coming back. I want to see Whitlock in the bullpen because, and, and this is another reason I like Winkowski and Crawford in the bullpen as well. These, these guys in particular, um, you know, as opposed to say, how and Bayo, because those guys are more strike throwers. I mean, Garrett Whitlock's going to come in and pound the strike zone. He has good stuff. Um, he's going to be very effective in two to three innings. So I'm all for that. Um, I think, over the next couple of weeks, when we get Jolie Rodriguez back, we figure out what to do with Pavetta. We get another start or two out of out of Paxton. You know, we start to get Whitlock back and and, and Crawford back. You know, there's some going to be some decisions that have to be made. And, and and you're 100% right with Bernardino. This guy's been pretty pretty damn good, really. Ever since that first start that looked a little shaky, um, he's just gotten better and better. And I just I feel so much better about having a Bernardino than I do a Blyer. And uh, you know, so. There's going to be some tough decisions that have to get made with this pitching stuff coming up here in the near future.
0: So, Bernardino, right now uh, for us in 2023, he's got a 174 ERA, seven strikeouts, and a whip of about it's 1.06, but a whip of one, uh, nine hits in 10 innings, uh, two earned runs, and a 231 opposing, opposing batting average, uh, two walks in 10 in a third inning. So, he's done the job, and, and he has no reason to lose his job um, to Richard Blyer. So I think Blyer's got to be the guy that's going to either have a phantom injury or he's going to have to be DFA'd. And frankly, um, I'm not going to miss him. He's, he's he, he, not only has he not been effective, but we can't wait around. If this is going to be a team that is going to compete for an October spot and be in the playoffs, we can't wait around for Blyer to figure it out. And it's no disrespect from him. I'm not being a jerk. It's just that we can't wait around for it.
1: Right. And and I've said it from the beginning too. There's just something about Blyer that just is the opposite of inspiring confidence. I mean, I just look at him and he just looks like the classic, and we, we know he's led Major League Baseball in meltdowns the last couple of years as well. But he's just that classic Calvin Giraldi. Bob Stanley, Matt Young, he just has that look about him where he just doesn't inspire any confidence in me when he's coming in the game. And he just has, has, you know, blown game, blown season written all over his face. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know what it is. I just, I've had that feeling with him all along. Um, It's nothing personal. It's just it's personal because I love the Red Sox and I want the best for the Red Sox. I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. So I've seen enough of Richard Blyer. I think a lot of people have, I called the baseball hour with Tony about it. I mean, I'm sorry. If you're a lefty specialist and you can't get lefties out, you're throwing 86 miles an hour. You got no place on this team. So to me, Pavetta and Blyer are really the two guys that are going to be the odd men out. And when we have enough starters, and we have enough lefties in the bullpen, we can always add later in the season, you know, to to get some depth in our pitching staff if we need it. But I think Blyer and Pavetta are the two guys that are going to be the odd man out soon.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and we're going to wrap it up now soon, Anthony, but here's here's the splits on the guys, right? So Brandon Bernardino is a left-hander, and I know I'm I'm really dumbing this down right now, but he's there to get out left-handed batters. So he's faced 17 lefties. He struck out all. He struck out seven of them. He has a, a opposing batting average of 0.59 and an OPS of 170. He's getting the job done against lefties. Contrast that to Richard Blyer. He's had 19 um, left-handed batters. He's given up 9 hits, 2 home runs. Uh lefties are batting 474 off of him with an OPS over 1300. So it doesn't take a ro- it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that they both had similar amount of at bats, 17 versus 19, and an OPS of 14 almost 1400 versus 170.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you can't put it any more plainly than that. I mean, that you and this is the thing with people on Twitter, these nerds, they want to try to find some advanced nerd statistic to dispute that. Listen, we watch the games. We're looking at just basic stats that are going to tell you the story. This guy's job is to get lefties out. He hasn't done the job. We saw it from the beginning. Coming in, whether it's hitting a batter, throwing, you can't find a strike zone, giving up a key home run. Just you can't have it. There's, there's, There's nothing this guy's bringing you to the table. And you can't lay it out any more clear than you just did statistically. Those are facts, okay? You can't dispute the facts. This guy's getting his lips ripped off here, and we can't handle it much more. And so, I mean, Jolie Rodriguez in, Dick Blyer out.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, just just to beat a dead horse, Bernardino's given up one hit to a lefty. And Blyer's given up nine, so uh, it, it's just it's it's clear and it's it, it's it's a it's a fact that's not arguable. And if you want to argue it with us, um, you're going to lose because it's just it it is the facts. And like I said earlier, it's nothing against Blyer. He might figure out later on, but figure it out with another team um, because we don't have the time for this because we're contending now. So I want to go ahead and wrap it up, Anthony. Thanks for joining me today. Um, As always, a pleasure. Um, Any last minute comments before we uh, head off for tonight?
1: No, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, let's get the win tonight, Sunday night baseball, ESPN. Um, Looking forward to that. I think it's our first ESPN uh, game of the year. I always kind of enjoy those because you get a little bit more of a national perspective, Buster only, the whole crew. Um, You know, Tim Kirchin, I don't know who's going to be there, but it's two classic teams, the Red Sox and the Cardinals Sunday night baseball. Um, we got Kluber on the mound against um, Nicholas Mikolas. Um, so that should be a pretty good matchup. We're, we're looking for Kluber to give us some, some innings. Um, we obviously don't have Jansen tonight, so we'll see if we get into a save situation, who is it going to be probably Martin and uh, we'll probably see Brazier in, in depending on, you know, cause we don't know how many innings we're going to get out of Kluber, but keep us in the game. Uh, let's not make any bad errors. That are going to cost us the game, any mental mistakes that are going to cost us the game. Keep grinding and let's try to avoid the sweep and have a great game and get a win.
0: All right, Anthony, thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon shortly. Thank Jim. You. You've been listening to the Lansdowne Bound podcast hosted by Dr. Jim Delfino and Anthony on the Cape. Visit us at landsdownbound.com and sign up for a free account that gives you up to the minute notifications on our latest articles, podcast shows, and events.